Alright, today we're going to talk about two things. We're going to talk about one of my biggest pet peeves, and we're going to talk about rare diseases. Yeah! We're going to talk about my pet peeves last, because that kind of ties into the rare diseases, but um, I wanted to start off with that first. So I kind of wanted to start off with this. I am literally been told I'm a doctor's worst nightmare. Not because I'm chronically ill, not even because I'm medically complex, quote unquote. It's because I know how to research. I know .edu's, I know .orgs, I know .govs, I know how to fact check. And it helps that my mom was an English teacher, um, and it helps that my mom kind of has backed me up. Um, but I understand my body too, and I know how to ask questions. And I've been told that I'm also like the dream patient because I know what I want and I make it easier for the doctor. But also if you're an asshole doctor, you don't like that I'm knowledgeable and understanding because it like, d I, get, I don't know, gets on their nerves. And it's just how a doctor interprets me um, to see which way I am, nightmare or daydream. Being diagnosed with a rare disease has also made me so uh, annoying to them, probably. I know more of more than most some doctors, and that's just through Google and reading research papers, CT scans and x-rays, which I know how to do now, just by spending time researching, which is a curse and a blessing. I know what lab results mean. Uh, I know what all my MyChart stuff means. I know what lab core stuff means um i also was able to read my mouths on a ct before it was diagnosed <laughs> um so i've become like my own doctor i've even created this formula of electrolytes that have completely balanced out my electrolytes that i wasn't able to do before so don't get me wrong it's like probably fueled by anxiety and it's fueled my anxiety but it's literally because i've had to become my own doctor because of the lack of care for rare diseases and having this knowledge is terrifying, but having a rare disease is also scary because it. the reason I've had to do this is because for so long, doctors told me that it's either too rare to care or clearly I just am a Google MD. But also for so long, doctors won't, I mean, it still happens. I'm not saying like it doesn't happen anymore. Um, doctors won't test you unless you ask for certain tests, unless they are specialists in, let's say, mouths or SMAS or another rare disease. If they aren't vascular surgeons for vascular compressions, they're not going to test you for certain things. You have to ask and advocate for yourself. And it's exhausting because sometimes they'll say no. And then you have to go jump to another doctor, which we've done many, many times. Like I've mentioned before, I'm in many hospital systems. I've seen many doctors because these doctors would not listen to us. They would not listen to our advocacy. They would not listen to my symptoms. They would not hear and they would not listen to even the research that I've done. And I've been like, hey, I think this is happening. XYZ is happening. Can we do this test? We would offer to pay out of pocket if insurance wouldn't cover it. You know, like we, and yet doctors would be like, no, it's not like we're paying out of pocket and it's like taking away anyone's jobs. We're giving someone a job to do. We're giving someone money and we're getting a test done. And yes, maybe we are crazy, but doing that test is going to prove one way or another. And all what I've learned with rare diseases is it's so much advocacy like the average diagnosis time of someone with a rare disease is five to ten years okay 
it took me roughly about seven years to get diagnosed, but it's taken people I know up to 20 years. 20 years of their lives, they are untreated with something very rare and very in something serious. Something that is causing them pain, causing their body to not function properly, and doctors are not aware of it and aren't doing anything about it because there is not a lot of awareness around it because I don't want to say it's gatekeeped, but I feel like doctors say it's too rare to care and it's a nice way of it's a nice way of saying they're gatekeeping rare diseases. They're like, well, that would take a lot of effort to like care for you if you had that rare disease. So it's easier to just like, for example, me, say I have an eating disorder and say that anything else I have is too rare. But also insurance plays a massive part in it because as we know, or as you might know if you are have any medical thing ever happened to you, insurance plays a massive role in your health care because insurance can pay for medications, insurance can pay for testing, insurance can deny medications, insurance can deny medications. And for insurance purposes, it is easier to say I have an eating disorder than I have a rare disease. And once again, a corporation is running something that a medical care that is something you need. Now, I can understand like the part of the like there's probably part of the doctor that's like, I don't want them to have this rare disease because it's not fun having any chronic illness or any illness whatsoever. Was especially not fun having whatever rare illness you think you might have. But like also having a diagnosis means you could also possibly get some sort of help understanding or even treatment. Of course, there isn't always treatment options, but just having more understanding of how to function with your body and not be in as much pain or or symptoms is everything. And doctors should want to provide at least something like that, some sort of relief, even if it isn't relief to your symptoms, just mental relief. Like, there's something that I've talked about with many people in... Um, this example is whenever, when I've gotten diagnosed with things or any of the people that I know I've met got diagnosed with their rare illnesses or their illnesses, not even rare, let's just say not rare, just illnesses in general, they got a diagnosis. It's a breath of relief. I start crying when I got diagnosed because it was like, finally, I have answers. And yeah, it really, really sucks that you're realizing you're chronically ill, but having those answers is amazing and like that's why advocacy is so incredibly important because like so basically the reason i've been advocating so much though for what is quote unquote going on with me is i have done so much research me and my mom had done so much research um but that's also how the hospitals have gotten away with things with us because prior to about only a couple years ago second after the second um hospitalization we didn't know what vascular compressions were we didn't know really about lyme disease we didn't know a lot about what was going on with me and or in the sense of like you know what could be going on with me because we, i wasn't diagnosed at that point and doing the research that i've done like i've real i mean okay so with my shoulder i'll talk about it with my shoulder we're pretty sure my shoulder has thoriasque outlet syndrome now, thoriatic outlet syndrome, along with vascular compressions, along with a lot of rare diseases, is so controversial because doctors don't understand why your body does it. 
So uh, doctors have just decided that it doesn't happen. I'm not kidding. This is an actual thing. Some doctors just believe that it cannot, it doesn't happen because they don't understand why it's happening. So for thoriatic outlet syndrome, it's when the thoriatic outlet, a bunch of nerves and arteries and stuff can be compressed on your shoulder due to me possibly having a cervical rib, literally an extra rib growing. Um, it can be caused by accidents, injuries, whatever. It's another compression. But doctors don't understand how that could happen, so they will actually just be like, it, it can't happen. I know, I'm literally repeating the same thing. But anyways, so I've had to do my own research. If you just Google thoriatic outlet syndrome, it's not going to tell you much. There are actually three different types of thoriatic outlet syndrome. There's arterial, venous, and um, neurogenic, which is the, just the compression of the nerves, and then the arteries, the compression of the arteries, and the other one is the compression of the veins. So all of them are different, but they don't tell you that. You have to do your own research. I found it through studies. I found it through papers. Um, another example is I have SMAS, severe mesentery artery syndrome, and I have prenatosis coli. Prenatosis coli is when air is, fills the inside of your intestines. Um, <clears throat> and sometimes that can actually be caused by SMAS because of the blockage and the compression. And I was able to tie that together because of my research that I was doing. And there's lots of papers and lots of studies that have been published that have shown that because of the compression, other things like this can happen. It's because it's not getting enough blood. It's not getting enough um, air getting moving in and out. And that can be really different, really. Lots of doctors have told me they don't know why the prenatosis is happening. They don't know why this is happening to me. And I'm like, I do. You could just Google it. Like, it, like there are lots of websites that are not reliable, but any published paper has .edu, um, .med, net like all of these things like just like you need to advocate for yourself and just do your own research and doctors hate that like I said before they don't like that but it's like if you're not gonna do it for me I might as well do it for myself and I'm not saying go out there and look up why is my tummy hurting and it says you're dying like I know there's that meme too I'm not talking about that I'm talking about doing logical research like I would look up for example Superior mysteriotic syndrome, and then you do a plus or an and, and then you say thori, and then you say not thoriatic. Then you say prenatosis coli, or then you could say prenatosis coli caused by lack of blood flow or caused by blockage to the intestines. You do study, you do things like that, okay? You do like a research paper. Anyone who's gone to at least high school, I think, should know how to do that. I didn't even graduate high school, and I know how to do that. So, I mean, I don't know. In the end, it's just... I feel like, you know, it needs more advocacy, obviously, but in the end, it's just doctors not wanting to admit when they don't understand what's going on with you, and they also don't want to admit, yeah, we need help, or yeah, you might be right, and we might be in the wrong, and I understand being wrong is really hard. And especially when you have lots of degrees and lots of, I don't know, big doctor smarts. I don't freaking know. But a lot of rare disease will go undiagnosed because doctors can't just admit they don't know what's going on with you. And they can't help you. And they need to send you somewhere else. And a lot of doctors will keep you and just be like, well, I can fix them, right? It's kind of a sense of pride. And that's, I mean, that's difficult on anyone, especially someone who has rare diseases.
So, it's just advocacy. I'm going to keep saying that. It, more people need to know about rare diseases. And I think this kind of goes into my next thing, though, is I feel like with rare diseases, and I've seen this online, a lot of people can talk about toxic positivity. And, you know, doctors will be really, really positive. They're like, well, it could be worse, right? Or, or you know, you don't, I don't think you have that going on with you. You know, you're doing so well. You're doing so amazing. Your labs look so good. And that kind of leads into my next segment. And, yeah. You know what drives me up the fucking wall? And first of all, I don't really understand that. Like, it gets you so upset that you are, like, running up the walls, I guess. Or you're driving, like, I don't know. Anyways, you know what drives me up the wall? Is when I see people, like, toxic positivity about... I mean, this goes for more than just chronic illness. This is just life in general. And I'll see toxic positivity on Instagram, for example, be like, don't let your chronic illness take away what you love because if you do, it's already won. So I just want to pause right there. So what are you supposed to do if you are hospitalized in critical care? Your hospital, you know, you know what? They probably didn't mean critical care. Take that out of the equation. You're hospitalized because you have a chronic illness. You are bedbound due to your chronic illness. You know what? I'm not bedbound. I'll say that right now. But I am housebound. I need a caretaker. I do not really go and do much. I am physically um, bound by my chronic illness. So I am unable to go walk independently on my own. I mean, I can, I can move independently. Um, I do not always need a mobility aid, but I cannot just take Tucker, my dog, and walk him down to the town center and get coffee and do whatever I want. Um, I, you know, it said do what you love, right? What I love to do is I love to ride horses. I love to be physically active. I love sports. I love, you know, exercise. I love being with my dog and doing and being active. And I love cooking. I love eating. I love doing things like that. So what am I supposed to do with my chronic illness then? And I hate when posts like that will say, well, you've, if you don't do, if you aren't doing the things you love, you're letting your chronic illness win, right? Because first of all, that makes me feel horrible because I'm like, I, I'm not like, that doesn't, it's just, it's, I can't even put into words because it's like, you're letting it win. You're letting it control your life. I understand. But what when you're chronically ill, your life revolves around being chronically ill. So yes, it does win, quote unquote, but that's just a very shitty way of putting it into words. Because of course it's going to win. Of course it's going to, you know, if you are like me, I, of course not being able to eat. Yes, technically, okay, you're, I'm letting my chronic illness win by not eating, right? But it's not because... I'm not trying. It's not because I'm not trying hard enough. I'm not riding horses because I don't feel like it. I'm not being physically active because I don't feel like it. It's because I'm chronically ill. And I feel like some people, because there's, everyone who's chronically ill is different, right? Everyone's body is different. Everyone who's chronically ill is completely different. Some people who have the same conditions as me have completely different lives, are living their lives, have, have an active, physically active, good life. 
I mean, not good, but like, like in the sense of like they're physically active, they're living their lives, they're they're independent, they don't need caretakers, or they do, but they're not in severe as severe. Or I don't want. Uh, this is the other thing, right? About um, online being online and chronically ill. So it becomes the chronic chronic illness Olympics. That's what we call it. Is when people start comparing to each other and being like, well, I'm sicker, or well, I have twelve things going on with me, and bing bong only has four so and even if that's self that's so incredibly toxic and that's why i don't want to say i'm more severe than some people but i would say i'm in a different situation um some girls that i know that have mouths they don't have lyme disease and so i'm experiencing a different chronic illness from them so it's not worse and it's not like i don't want to compare to other people i don't like doing that because everyone also is experiencing their own issues their own everyone's going through their own life and everyone's going through their own thing so just because like this goes for non-chronically ill people this goes for able-bodied people because like the other like i just think of when you know someone let's say bullies you online for being chronically ill and yes they're fully able-bodied i would just block them or just or whatever because you don't know what's going on with their life clearly they're having negativity in their life that they need to take it out on you and so by spreading negativity back to them is not going to work so anyways long story short i'm just saying i don't i'm not trying to compare when i say like for some people like myself i'm not able to leave the house mostly and i'm not trying to compare to people that are more able-bodied but also chronically ill i'm not trying to do chronic illness olympics i'm just doing an example but basically what i'm saying here is when you say don't let your chronic illness take away what you do what you love and if you do if you, if you do it lets it, you're letting it win is very to me maybe this is just me toxic positivity because it's like i would kill to be able to do even just a little more than what i do right now but the amount of rest my body needs the amount of inability my body is not the amount of that my body's not able to do I need to take it with grace. I rest is productive, as my therapist has told me a million times. And I need to be aware of that. And so by seeing posts like that, it's very negative to my mindset because it's like, I'm not doing what I love, so I'm letting my chronic illness win. I'm failing. And that's what my brain goes straight to, is I'm failing, right? I'm failing, whatever. I'm failing myself. Sorry, I like burp yawned there. I'm failing. I'm, I'm not being good enough. And I'm super aware <clears throat> that that feeling of failure is 100% a me thing. Like, 100%. We know, I've talked about it, that I struggle with the idea of being a failure and a burden. But I feel like that can't just be me, right? I feel like I maybe, I know that I am living in my own bubble. And sometimes I feel like the whole world revolves around me. And I know that's because I'm also still, my frontal lobe is still developing. But I feel like... There has to be some other people that may feel like that when they see that and then they're like, oh, I'm letting my chronic illness win and I'm not doing enough and I failed. Now, I want to be really realistic with you guys here, okay? This is my day to day. I sit in my room and I do my hydration. I do my feeds and I play Pokemon and I watch YouTube videos usually drinking some sort of juice maybe i'm trying to find good deals on groceries for my mom maybe i'm just brainstorming ideas for a podcast maybe i'm trying to track down a medication that i need 
Maybe I'm reading the guidebook to my Pokemon game. And there and there, here and there, I am actually studying for my GED. I need to just take it. And that is my ADHD procrastination happening right there. Um, but yeah. That's it. Burp. And, you know, I do sometimes all of the research formulas and things that I can make my feed better because I have been trying to do that. But other than that, that's my day-to-day, you guys, because I am usually exhausted and a lot of pain. You know, I have this exercise, like, um, pedal bike I do, too. I also will sometimes, um, do some stretches. Um, I can't really use my shoulder that much, um, but I stretch it out. You know, I do little things, but I, with my, with my heater next to me, with my heating pad on me, but I am, in all intents and purposes, not able to do much. And it is really hard on me especially when my mom works and my sibling they go to school they actively leave the house and they come back and they're learning and they're educating and i feel like i have no purpose in life sometimes and i feel like that can go for a lot of people especially my age is we we get lost in like what are we supposed to do and i feel like for a lot of people too the toxic positivity of being like if you don't do basically if you don't do point a you are letting point b win and it is not letting you get to point c and i like to rethink it as i <clears throat> i am at point a right now and because of point b i can't get to point c but that doesn't mean i'll never get to point c it means right now it's just going to take me a little longer to get to point c it's going to take me a little longer than some other people and that's taken me a really long time to get to that mental because Last summer, I wanted to just be done with being sick. I got my GJ tube, I wanted to immediately feel fixed, and now it is almost eight months later, and I've had to realize, first of all, not much has really changed except my lab work since then. I haven't really gained much weight, and so it's been really difficult on me because I was like, oh, by February, I'll probably be like trigger running 20 pounds up or something, right? No, and that's been really hard on me, and but I'm not, it's not like I'm not actively doing anything to help myself. It's not even like, it's not, so I'm not letting it win. I'm just living. And I feel like people forget that sometimes all you can do, whether able-bodied, disabled, chronically ill, whatever, sometimes all you are doing is just surviving. And that is more than enough. It's just surviving and existing and, and not and taking care of yourself sometimes is all you can do and sometimes that is the biggest win ever. I think I'm kind of also misusing the term toxic positivity because I'm probably like I don't think I'm saying apparently according to Google it's the belief that no matter how dire or difficult the situation is people should maintain a positive mindset which I think I am kind of right then. I think because it's like the idea of like oh you know don't let it stop you from doing what you love otherwise you're letting it win you know it will be okay and I understand needing to be positive trust me through all of this my mom and I will giggle as you if you've heard the other episodes we'll laugh through the trauma when I'm talking to my therapist I was like the other last week I was talking about when my tube slipped out of my body in the hospital and I was laughing my head off and my therapist is staring at me like writing shit down she's like oh she's need to she's gonna need it's like it's like the joke of like i shared too much with my therapist right and like 
I totally understand needing to be positive. But I feel like moments like that, like that's so, it's so over positive because there's so many people that can't do what they love because they're sick. They can't do what they love. And so by telling them what they're, if they're not doing what they love, it's letting their body or chronic illness or whatever win. It can be very upsetting, or at least to me. And maybe this is just a one-off episode where I'm completely insane, which we know I am in some way. So yes, this totally could just be me not making any sense, which is totally fair. I don't think I make most sense in most episodes, so that's, yeah. Um, But I think, you know, it's genuinely like that. And I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm gonna stand, I'm gonna die on this hill. And maybe that's me thing. So I'm just listening back to this now. Like I re-listened all my podcasts before I publish them just to make sure I don't sound too crazy. And I realized I never did an outro because I kind of wanted to end it there is that's the hill I'm going to die on. And I'm also going to die on my rare disease stance that we need advocacy and toxic positivity. And I hope you, I did like a different format where I did two different things. I just had, I just had two different things I wanted to talk about this week. So if it was weird, I'm sorry. Um, Hope you enjoyed anyway. Um, That's kind of it though. There's not really much else I'm doing. Um, I've been drinking prune juice today because I've been uh, constipated. It's really gross, but um, that's been my fun. Okay, do you guys know like the Hawaiian sun, like Aloha made like um, drinks from Hawaii, like they're like guava juice like passion fruit guava juice or pineapple orange juice or whatever and they're in the cans those are so good and i want to get a whole bunch on amazon but it's so expensive and i'm so upset and so i think and i like the aloha made ones better because they don't have high fructose corn syrup in them and i can't have high fructose corn syrup because that feeds the candida so i don't know where to get them so if anyone knows uh reach out to me because they are like amazing um that's kind of it though i haven't really been drinking anything else that fun drinking water <laughs> all right this is getting long um thank you for listening again and i hope uh you will listen to the next one or keep hanging out here okay bye